Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I talk more hoops, some G League bubble news, and all things NBA. of the front office podcast is brought to you by courtsmith.com courtsmith.com where all of your basketball apparel needs are met and welcome back to another episode of the front office podcast it's the main homie the main bro sean gant worker joining me Derek dawson on another episode what's going on one thing that I wanted to talk about was this Draymond Green. Um, I won't call it a tirade, even though it, it, it was it was a it was yeah. I, I'm not sure. I know what sparked it: seeing Andre Drummond sitting on the sidelines. What's the problem there? As far as I, what side should we kind of? Okay, so I look at it like this. If I own a business and and I have some employee some stocks, I mean, I guess that's we I, I can't, you know, I don't know any other kind of way to 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 classify it. And I'm going to sell those stocks. I need them to perform, you know, um at a level 2 to sell those stocks or I need to keep them. I I'm just not sure whose side I'm on here cuz I think I'm on both sides. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily um, a malicious thing. I think it's just something we need to com- compartmentalize and realize. Um, so I see it from a couple different ways, right? From the Cleveland Cavaliers' perspective, uh, they have they are invested in the future, right? Right. They played Andre Drummond to start the season after acquiring him for basically a ham sandwich from the Pistons. Definitely. And they did, frankly, pretty well. Uh, they were surprising. They were they were uh, competitive, but then they did two things. They allowed themselves to be a trade mule in a very positive way for and obtained Jared Allen. Yep. And then they started losing. So, from the Cleveland Cavaliers' perspective, I completely understand that if we view these players as assets, well, Andre Drummond is going to be a free agent. He will not resign with the Cleveland Cavaliers, especially now. He's got a very large. Uh, He's got a very large presence that detracts from a lot of what you're building towards, namely a youthful core surrounded by Jared Allen as a building block. From that perspective, once you start losing, you've seen what you got at Drummond, you know what he is, God bless. That being said, Andre Drummond has been working his ass off for you guys. He uh, has been nothing but professional, and from what I see, he hasn't even spoken up about this. So from Draymond Green's perspective, I understand the desire to jump in and be like, treat this guy like a human being. That being said, I'm not sure it's his battle, but as we know from Draymond Green, he thinks everything is his battle. You know, that you bring out a good point there. Andre 
Andre Drummond isn't speaking on it. So why does Draymond Green feel the need to speak on it? So I totally um, get that because all of us in one capacity or other would not like it if someone was speaking for us about something we haven't spoken about in whatever life road you're in, you know. Um, So I don't know if Draymond Green is trying to follow, you know, he is with Rich Paul now, so he's trying to follow the LeBron James um, speaking out type of of, uh, philosophy, which which is working for LeBron. I don't know if Draymond is able to carry that capacity yet, you know. And, And I think that, him speaking on it, I, may, I hope he cleared it with Andre <laughs> before he talked about it, you know. And and he did bring up James Harden, and I kind of hope he talked about talked it to James Harden as well. Hey, I'm about to talk about this tonight because James Harden, not that he would be furious of Draymond bringing it up, but it's like, hey, keep my name out your mouth. I mean, my question is here: Andre Drummond is 27. We know what he is. He's incredibly talented. He hasn't quite figured out his complete game, but we know it immediately. He is going to have a home for the rest of the season. Definitely. Whether it be via a trade or a buyout. Definitely. He'll have a home. He will likely be able to pick his destination, and he will be presumably fine unless something catastrophic happens, knock on wood. This isn't the case of, say, like, I find it worse with what's happening to Blake Griffin. Because Blake Griffin is a broken commodity, right? And that's that's awful to say. Blake Griffin offers a team, whether they be good or bad, frankly nothing right now. And it's sad because I love Blake Griffin as a person. I love what he brought. But I think it is different to be like, well, the Pistons are effectively burying Blake Griffin because no one's going to want that contract, right? Nobody's going to want that contract. And the minute he's freed... Maybe he'll find somewhere, but it will be uh, basically a lottery ticket. Definitely. Andre Drummond, though, the minute he is freed, whether it be via a trade or um, a buyout, his phone's going to be ringing off the hook. Yes. So in that perspective, I don't think Andre Drummond is someone Draymond Green needs to defend because he's not vulnerable here. Andre Drummond probably has as much power out of any free agent in the league right now because the market next year is bad, and he fills a very obvious need for teams that need size rebounding and hustle you know and it's crazy because cleveland is onto something with darius garland colin sexton and isaac okoro and now they have jared island so andre drummond does not work there um what andre drummond does possess is let's just say he gets traded there's not too many teams that can even take andre drummond's contract um you know the warriors could uh essentially um package Ubre and his expiring contract and you know, maybe Wanamaker and, and those types of guys, those guys who will be had coming off the books for Cleveland next year. Um, but then, and maybe a second round pick or two in the future. And because and, that's what I think Andre Drummond is going to go the route of. I'm going to go somewhere to win right now. Um, and then if we do well, I'll re-up with that team. You know, if he gets bought out, he still will go to a championship contender, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, – I don't know if they have the full bird rights if he's bought out. I don't think they do. I don't believe they do, which is part of the reason why his agent has basically been, we don't want to buy out. Right. It's a last case scenario because bird rights and restrictions empower the player. Definitely. And that's what the agents want to see and that's what Andre Drummond wants. Yes. 
I would like to see Andre Drummond. I'd like a three-team trade between your Sacramento Kings, uh, Cleveland, and Boston. You send Harrison Barnes to Boston. Boston then um, sends that $28 million trade exception to Cleveland. And then Cleveland sends Andre Drummond to Sacramento. Um, maybe Boston gives up another pick to Cleveland. And then maybe the, the, the Kings give up a future. And I think that a team like Sacramento with that same young core, if Andre Drummond was five years younger, Jared Allen wouldn't be in this conversation because Andre Drummond works with those young core, that young core in Cleveland, but they have Jared Allen, so they don't need Andre Drummond. So Andre Drummond needs to be really selective about where he goes, where he can be useful, where he's going to be demanded to get those 18 to 20 rebounds a night. And teams like Sacramento, Charlotte, you know, those types of teams, I think they would need Andre Drummond. They would trade for Andre Drummond and they would max Andre Drummond out next year. I'm unquestionably uh, biased to this discussion for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andre Drummond came to school, uh, to UConn, I believe during either my junior or senior year. Mm-hmm. I, I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and he was unequivocally the biggest prospect we have ever gotten. Definitely. Um, out, of mer- money, out of money earning Mount Vernon. Absolutely. I mean, we were salivating over this guy's mixtapes for three years. Definitely. So was and I. He came. He came, by the way, after we won the national championship. Yeah. Oil we, of course. Yeah. And joined a team with Jeremy Lamb and Shabazz Napier. Ooh. And frankly, they, they did underperform. And that's kind of been the case with Andre Drummond ever since. He's a whole lot of talent who has the numbers to back it up, but I believe those numbers kind of disguise the, the limitations of his game. That being said, when he gets the team, is very, very clear. So what I see, I like your Celtics site, is Celtics-Kings trade. Uh, and I think that's an alternative, especially because the Celtics need to do something. Right. And I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yes, we will. But what I also see is him potentially betting on himself. Maybe the Bulls could do it, because what the Bulls right now need is a strong presence in the middle to rebound that can allow Wendell Carter to maybe focus more on facilitating, whether that be off the bench or starting. And frankly, if Andre Drummond can be what he is right now alongside Zach Levine, that team is definitively in the playoffs. I love him on the Hornets as well, particularly with LaMelo Ball and, uh, and Scary Terry. And uh, I, I, I like him on the Raptors, but frankly, I don't believe there's a trade that works. That's a buyout situation, and I don't think he choose the Raptors in a vacuum. Yeah, they're not trading Pascal or Kyle Lowry for Andre Drummond at all, whatsoever. And they, and they would probably need to trade Norman Powell or OG for right. that to be the mm-hmm. case as well. And mm-hmm. you just don't do that. Right. You just don't. Um, so I think Drummond will find a home. Maybe the Mavericks are players here, but like you said, and like we uh, look at the bigger picture here, the fact that we can speculate six teams at the drop of the hat right now that would kill that have a guy like Drummond means that he's not necessarily the victim in this situation. It's more of an inconvenience for him. Definitely. I, I can recall some some dreams of, of uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Andre Drummond front court when uh, Sacramento drafted Thomas Robinson fifth when Drummond went ninth. Um, I guess they weren't, I don't know, I guess it was the Chris Webber, Shaquille O'Neal dynamics, too many too many bigs in the post. But the one thing that Andre Drummond has been consistent of doing is getting those 15 to 20 rebounds. And he needs to get to a team with a bunch of shooters to be able to corral those uh, rebounds. I like your Chicago scenario. Cleveland would probably want Markkinen over to pair with Allen instead of Wendell Carter. 
Um, and, and frankly, I think Chicago would, would probably do that uh, as it stands right now. Definitely. But, uh, the auto quarter deal would, would likely have to be included because that's the $28 million chunk right there. Definitely. And then, of course, a secondary asset, whether that be a pick or a marketing. But Definitely. Continue. Yeah. Um, and then I think that Charlotte would... There's nobody that that's on that team that could match. Um, the th- the thing about Blake Griffin, I could see a team like Dallas making that trade for him. You know, throwing it. I think they would want to keep Tim Hardaway with, the, but that's a nice expiring contract coming off. Um, but the James Johnsons of the world would have to be included. In that. And I think I think Blake could give you something in with a team like Dallas. You know. I, I think so too, but that's more about the faith I have in Carlisle as a coach than Blake Griffin as a player right now because it's just been really dire for him. Uh, athletically, physically, he's just not the same guy. But with Luca being allowed to make plays for him, then obviously, yeah. I mean, the less Griffin has to create for himself, whether that be in the post or along the perimeter, the better for him. Yes. He needs a dynamic passer who's going to get him the ball where he wants it. You know, he. He could go to Charlotte, but they don't need him in Charlotte. Not with those with Washington and, and Miles Bridges there. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen with Blake Griffin. I think he might be stuck because Isaiah Stewart is, is coming for – that's his spot now. And, you know, and, and the play of Sadiq Bay and hopefully Killian Hayes comes back. And if Sekou um, Dumboya can um, play effectively, Detroit might be on to something finally. Um, if, if they can continue, you know, getting rid of Derrick Rose to the Knicks, I think was awesome. I think it was awesome for yes. both parties, you know, and I just, Detroit has to make a move on Blake now, um, so that they can continue their, their youth movement. Well, I mean, uh, I think with the Pistons, it's, it is encouraging. Like we said, uh, Stewart becoming the player we thought he might be in high school, but didn't show in college is wonderful. Sadiq Pei, uh, most recent Easter player of the year. Uh, Josh Jackson is contributing in a way that we had hoped he would in the past. Uh, uh, Mason Plumley looking like an asset now, playing out of his mind. But here is a big caveat here. Blake Griffin's contract, two years, 36.5 mil, is so significant that you will either have to send probably an unprotected first. Yeah. Hopefully in the future, because you can't send your unprotected first right now because this team isn't winning right now unless you get LeBron on it. Right. Or, and here we come, here it comes to it, probably Jeremy Grant. Now, if you package Blake and Jeremy Grant, which I, I don't think they will do because Jeremy Grant is sensational, you can get an asset back along with moving that salary. But it is a Sophie's choice. Right. Unequivocally and absolutely. Otherwise, you're going to have to sit on it this year because I don't believe with how they got rid of, uh, was it was it Batum? It wasn't Batum, excuse me. Christian was, Wood? Uh, Christian with, Wood. With Christian Wood. Yeah. And they bought out someone else as well. They frankly can only buy out, I believe, $11 million worth of salary this year. So they can't. Right. They just can't do it with Blake Griffin. Um, so you either trade him for an equally bad contract or you do your worst possible thing, which is trading your best player on a pretty good contract to um, move the rebuild back a step, but free yourself up for free agency. You know, I think Detroit might just, they might just have to realize, hey, we're stuck. There's nothing we can do about it. So let's just move on from it. And we're, Okay, Blake, well, we're not going to, they might have to pay Blake, what is he owe, 72 million? They might have to pay Blake 50 million to walk away. I, I, I think they, they might. Oh, that There's sucks. So okay, Tom Gores. Here. 
<laughs> okay, Tom Gores, let's see what happens. And if anybody can figure out how to save money by doing maybe shady things, it's Tom Gore. <laughs> we'll hey, um, what's up with uh, Anthony Davis and that calf Achilles strain? Does it is it eerily reminding you of Kevin Durant? Oh yeah, I mean it's, it's scaring me. I, I watched it happen, and uh, I think the Lakers are being a little too cute with him. Right. I uh, I. I I don't think he should have been playing when there was an inkling of injury, uh, particularly given his history. And I respect he's a competitor. We all know the type of guy he is. But if you're the Lakers, you can more or less coast for the next 30 games and still guarantee yourself a top three seed. So they got to play it carefully because those lower leg injuries for a guy that relies on athleticism and shooting are uh, looked looked no further than Blake Griffin. Um, uh, It's very, very worrisome. Now the only the and, only uh, team that I hope they play right. the only team or the only team that Andre Drummond would accept a buyout to and have something lined up with would be the Lakers, I think, because I think that well, I, I would say the Nets might be a factor there as well. I don't like him on the Nets. The I don't like him on the Nets. I don't like him because it, DeAndre Jordan is Kevin Durant and Kyrie um, uh, um, Irving's buddy, and so you're not going to play. Andre Drummond, over, you're not going to give him more minutes than DeAndre Jordan because KD and Kyrie will have a problem with that. And I agree. I think it's what a difference a week makes, right? Because I think a week ago, before Jordan looked a little more consistent, Harden found his footing, and Jeff uh, Jeff Green revealed himself. Oh, yeah. Really an ideal uh, small ball center. Oh, yeah. I think this is a different discussion. Uh, so, so circumstances have changed there. And uh, with what Marcus uh is doing, or to be more specific, not doing, uh, I definitely see Drummond uh, Drummond fitting a need. Uh, salary wise, it's, it's it's interesting. They're about the Lakers are about two point eight over the over the tax. There's some uh, breathing room that they could do, they could do to uh, to create a little more salary. And frankly, if I'm Drummond, I accept that there are minimum probably to go to the Lakers because that's almost a guarantee. But right. I don't think defensively he solves necessarily what they need, but if you're going to get 16 rebounds off of the rare Contavious Caldwell Pope miss, uh, beggars can't be choosers here. You know, I think the Lakers, like you said, the Lakers can coast for the rest for the next 30 games because, um, you know, the the I don't have any stock in Utah. I, I, lo- I love seeing what that what I'm seeing from them. I don't trust the Clippers because I just don't trust the Clippers. The Clippers going to clip to me. Um, and I, I just feel that Portland, Phoenix, none of those teams can compete with the Lakers um, at this time. So the Lakers may need to just shut AD down and, and actually start limiting LeBron a little bit, too. Um, for the rest of the season, because what you, and even AD said it himself, he signed that contract because of his injury concern. So yes. it, it may just be one of those things where it's like, hey, we're going to learn from from what the Warriors' mis- mistake was with Kevin Durant, and we're we're not going to push this man because we we just signed you. <laughs> exactly, he is. Uh, he's got five more years. Well, four after this year to to be that asset and that player you want him to be. And the worst case scenario is creating an injury situation that takes up about 18 more months of that. Right. And uh, there's something to be said, I think, about giving guys like Caruso and Kuzma and uh, really Talon Horton Tucker is the guy. You want to get more responsibility because 
Uh, Vogel is playing a very interesting rotation right now where seemingly every other game, one of these young guys is not in the rotation. Right. Uh, and I understand that from a competitive perspective, but from a long-term perspective, as a Lakers fan, which I am not, I want to see THD play at least 15 minutes a night. Uh, so this Anthony Davis situation could be a blessing in disguise in that way where you play a little smaller maybe or heck, you play a little bigger, put Harrell in the starting lineup and uh, just see what happens because uh, you want that flexibility when the playoffs comes around. Definitely, definitely. Um, more to be seen about the Lakers coming up. I think that um, um, seeing what they are going to do with this, they have to be real careful, real mindful. Um, let's talk about the Boston Celtics. Uh, they are uh, <laughs> tend to have some struggles going on, and I'm wondering who's on the hotter seat or whose seat is getting warm. Is it Brad Stevens or Danny Ainge? Yeah. Me, my resume is on LinkedIn Celtics. Yeah. Uh, uh, Danny Ainge would be the guy. Uh, that being said, I believe Danny Ainge has such a reputation in Boston uh, and such deep ties to the organization. I believe Brad Stevens will be in the hot seat, which I which I disagree with. I think Stevens has proven himself to be a top five coach in this league, and I believe the roster that Danny Ainge has created is definitively to blame. Definitely. Uh, this team offensively is, is simply a disaster. Uh, they are 22nd out of 30 in points per game. Their rating is middle of the pack, but a, a 112 offensive rating. Uh, they are underperforming to some degree, but that being said, this roster beyond the, beyond the top two Js is uh, unforgivable. You know the problem. Um, the problem that I have yeah. it's 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 when Danny Age Danny Ainge gave Gordon Hayward the money, and now it's looking like. And I know this is gonna you're gonna come through this phone. It may be Kemba that's the problem because that now you're you're not moving any of the Jays. First of all, um, Jalen Brown I think is leading the, the team in scoring at like 26 a game, and then Jason's right behind him. But Kemba, uh, that that contract's an albatross. It ha- it has to go. Now, I don't know if they can make a move for Harrison Barnes, which I would do, but that still doesn't solve their rebounding and uh, uh, defense deficiency um, on defense uh, because Tristan Thompson is, is, is giving you a little bit, and he's giving you, you know, more than I thought, but Robert Williams is, is not panning out yet, and they still need to be a little patient with him. But I, Boston might be in that Andre Drummond mix too. Well, I mean, Danny Ainge to fix this is going to have to do something he doesn't like to do, which is take a risk and be willing to lose a trade. Um, I love Kemba Walker uh, unequivocally. He's um, he's my guy, but uh, and I do think he is playing better and will continue to play better, but there is no question that that salary with his knee problems, which started uh, middle of last year, is a problem and is likely something that they're going to have to try to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Peyton Pritchard, Peyton Pritchard's my starter on Boston. Go ahead. I mean, you were, you were. I don't think you've been a writer on this podcast, and you were about Peyton Pritchard. I told you, they better start listening yeah, to you, me. You were right. I told you. Go ahead. The dude doesn't miss. <laughs> he doesn't miss. Players that take a three that you say is going in immediately, and Peyton Pritchard is one of those guys. And they gave him number eleven on purpose. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. For every Peyton Pritchard or a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum, there's a Romeo Langford, Oof. there's a Grant Williams, there's a Robert Williams, 
There's a Carson Edwards, there's a Tremont Waters. These are lottery tickets that Danny Ainge traded in instead of consolidating, which would have been the right thing to do. At least three different occasions that yeah. I can name in the last couple of years, all he needed to do was was trade about three picks for one definitive asset. Because once your team makes three out of the last four Eastern Conference Finals... You don't need those picks anyway. Precisely. Yeah. So now he's in a situation where the only way to get better right now is you got to move those assets you love so much, and you probably got to trade a pick because those assets that you've cultivated mean nothing. They mean nothing. Romeo Langford was incredible in high school, but he didn't do anything at Indiana, and he can't stay on the court right now. Aaron Nesmith had about 12 good games in college, got injured. He's starting to come on a little bit, but he's not part of the rotation. Mm -hmm. The Williams brothers... Still, still, you hope for the best of them. Right. So here's what you got to do, unfortunately, if you're the Celtics. Maybe you call the Chicago Bulls and you look at Thaddeus Young and what he's doing right now and you say, here's the first. Maybe you look at the heat, the, the heat right now and you say, Andre Iguodala, maybe even Duncan Robinson for something. You don't want to pay him. Maybe we'll pay him. You take a loss here, we'll take a loss here. But we got to take a risk to get shooting on this team, take less of an edge off Jason Tatum, and get a little better better defensively. Because this team, as it is constructed, is a whole lot of moving parts, but not a well-constructed team. Definitely. Um, I, I do like Grant Williams. I, I think he's an undersized um, four, but I still like his work, work ethic. Um, but like you said, I think Danny Ainge when he realized or when he attempted to get Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow with all of those picks and real and didn't get them and realized Justice Winslow was not the player that he's glad he didn't give those picks up for. I think it made him a little gun shy on trading those picks because he didn't want to make, he got away with making a mistake and he doesn't want to make that mistake. But like you said, Peyton Pritchard is probably the best out of the last, three drafts um that the celtics have but carson edwards grant williams robert wilson williams um aaron neesmith and i do like neesmith but he's just not going to get any burn behind the two jays um and yeah he has to make a move and i don't know what harrison barnes can do but it, it will do what gordon hayward was supposed to do And uh, to Harrison Barnes' credit, he has just been wonderful. He has. Um, he, he's been playing great, and you and I both love him. The fact that he bid on himself, you know, took that contract with the Sacramento Kings and has, has proven himself there. Uh, I think he would solve some problems, but then let's say Harrison Barnes falls off and you once again are in a situation <laughs> where you have about eight years and $62 million tied up to Kemba Walker and Harrison Barnes. Right. Um. I want to propose something kind of risky right now. Uh-oh. And and you can call me crazy. You you are. But I think uh, I think we would both agree Marcus Smart gives quite a lot to the Boston Celtics. Yes. Um I think he is a leader in that locker room. I think he is uh he plays off wonderfully wonderful with that core. But could you foresee a situation uh with the Grizzlies? where you tr- start a deal structured around Marcus Smart for Jonas Valanciunas and a guy like Kyle Anderson. Ooh. Um, well, it depends on... It depends on Jaron Jackson Jr. Exactly, right? Yeah, it depends on... Cause you, in any kind of capacity. 
Yes, because Valanchunas is having a heck of a year. I, I think so, too. And I also think it depends on Danny Ainge's old friend, Just, Justice Winslow. Right. <laughs> uh, because there's a Kyle Anderson thing right there. Yes. But in terms of the playmaking and defensive abilities that Kyle Anderson can bring you and offset that loss of Marcus Smart, along with Jonas Valanciunas, just being that man in the middle that Danny Ainge has refused to get for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. And with what the edge Marcus Smart could bring to that team with John Morant and Tyus Jones and Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, I really see that as a win-win for both teams. Don't don't sleep on Dylan Brooks. Oh, yeah, Dylan Brooks as well. I mean, I'll never sleep on Dylan Brooks. Yeah, definitely. I've liked him since college. You know, I like you know Oregon. Is, Oregon has put out some players now that you mention it. But yeah, I like that trade um, to Memphis. Uh, I just don't know if it, if I'm Memphis, I'm I'm worried about Jaron Jackson Jr. Just as much as if I'm Sacramento, I'm worried about Marvin Bagley. Maybe maybe Boston asks asks for Marvin Bagley as well in in that Harrison Barnes trade, and hopefully they can strike gold with him because change of scenery may help him, and it may help get Aaron Neesmith off the ground. I, I, uh, I think it would do Marvin Bagley a world of good to be with a guy like uh, Brad Stevens mm-hmm. um, and in that kind of uh, that kind of atmosphere. And I also think it would be really good for Marcus Bagley to be around Kemba Walker. Definitely. Who, uh, whether his knee is healthy or not, is nothing but a professional uh, leader of men. Right. And uh, I also see potential for Buddy Heald to be involved in some capacity with that as well. Uh, maybe that trade gets even bigger. But once again, we're talking about a Danny Ainge that doesn't exist. Right. And I hate to say it, a guy who's willing to go all in when it matters the most and not be like, hey, my team needs a center. Uh, You know who would be good? Uh, I don't know. Daniel (laughs) Theus. Like, this is starting to remind me, like, you and I both like Sam Presti. But you and I, we both are, are old enough to remember when Dan Presti, when Danny Presti needed to get a sender and got Kendrick Perkins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that proved to be a disaster. And I don't want to be a Celtics fan who, in three years, is is uh, Jason Tatum on a on a poison pill contract and Jalen Brown saying, "Well, we've got negative seven millions in 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 track space, but hey, at least maybe in a couple years." Uh, you know, Grant Williams is only uh, 27. We still got time. <laughs> time is such a such a, a fungible commodity, right? You got to strike all the iron hot, Danny. Just just strike as soon as you can. You know, and I think that um, those change of sceneries may um, help those players. Another guy who had a change of scenery, James Harden, it seems like he's he's figuring it out pretty fast, right? Oh yeah, I mean. Versus the Phoenix oh, it was a work of art. A work of art. Oh, boy. They were down over 20, and he brought that team back. Amazing. And I was watching that game out of the side of my eye because I said, well, the, well this game's over, right? Right. The Phoenix Suns are professional. Chris Paul looks unstoppable. I believe this team has the defensive capacity to stop James Harden when the defensive IR is solely focused on him. And, uh, well, I was wrong. Uh, Harden looks great. And uh, him in the uh, in the point guard role with Kyrie playing off ball looks looks unstoppable. It looks unstoppable. Uh, I think that helps Kyrie's game as well. Like, no, James, you handle the ball. I'll, I'll just score more. <laughs> exactly. The minute 
it's, it's a problem. It's a problem for every defense in the NBA. Um, I think there's still clear weaknesses, obviously, defensively for this team, but I'm not in panic mode like they could have been a, a week or two ago. Uh, they beat a really good team in Phoenix. Yeah, uh, it's Kylie Jenner's really fault. It's Kylie Jenner's fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Devin Booker. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Harden is showing that uh, what he's always shown, he can be the the engine for a team, and now he's got two top five players, two top ten players, and the worst of the case surrounding him, and a guy like Joe Harris who uh, simply cannot miss. And this team, on its best day, will beat anybody, anybody. They will beat anybody. They're sitting at one game behind Philly for the number one seed. Doc Rivers seems to uh, continue to get the best out of his son-in-law um, and, and and Joel Embiid. You know, I, I think that Doc Rivers is really kind of keeping people's um, um, eyes on, on, on him because he's doing a masterful job in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been impressed. I mean – it's tough to say right now that this is the best job he's ever done in coaching, given what he's done before. But I think a lot of people, particularly around the playoff times last year, were doubting him and what he could do. And uh, he has taken over a Philadelphia team that we knew was talented, but we knew it was raw, and has uh, created a situation where Tobias Harris is playing his best basketball in years. In uh, years. Ben Simmons is showing that when Joel Embiid isn't playing, and yep. when Joel Embiid is playing, he can be a, a functional asset, and that this team can create reliable spacing when Danny Green is uh, is clearly on the decline. And they have it's a truly impressive bit of work. And they have two young studs coming off the bench in uh, Matisse Thybul and Tyrese Maxey. I love what I'm seeing in Tyrese Maxey, just like I love what I'm seeing in Emmanuel Quickly. Um, those two guys have really kind of just shot up the rankings on the rookie of the year's um, ladder. And I love what, what Doc Rivers is doing with them and pacing those rookies in with those vets as well. I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I would like to see a situation created where those guys get more playing time. but That's going to be hard. Stands right now, that, that team is so deep. Uh, maybe a little less Spurkin Cormaz and a little less Mike Scott. Uh, yeah. Mr. Rivers, but, yeah. <laughs> but still. And, uh, I mean, I want to be on record right now. Uh, Paul Reed is going to be a factor in this league. Uh, right now, he's eating up the D-League right now. Oh, he's Anybody eating it up. Him. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, well, there's a philosophy right here that if you dominate the G-League, excuse me, stands to reason that you can at least be a rotation player in the NBA. And right now, uh, Paul Reed is, is, is doing what he needs to do. Uh, so maybe there's a situation created at the trade deadline that allows the Sixers to get one more piece and be like, well, we have these young guys who can fill, fill these voids of, of say, uh, a Shake Milton, who, who maybe we can move and have reliable reliable backups. But if I'm the Sixers right now and I'm Daryl Morey, I feel so uh, confident and strong with everything I've done because the proof is in the pudding this team is the eighth best team de- uh, offensively, the twelfth best team defensively, and uh, I, I really like what I'm seeing there. Yeah, Paul Reed is lighting it up with the Delaware Blue Coats in the G League, who are in their uh, G League bubble. Um, he so he's going to be a force 
in a, in a year or two. And I'm loving, speaking of the, that G League bubble, it looks like those G League Ignite guys are, are um, Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green and, and Dacia Nix. Look like they're, they're really showing what they're made of. Uh, I think it's the, if this was an experiment, uh, it has been nothing but an unparalleled success uh, for the NBA, for the G League, for these guys. I feel really great for them because they are playing NBA-style basketball against mostly NBA competition, yep. and they are flat-out dominating. Yep. Uh, Jalen Green looks like the second overall pick of the draft right now, if not the first. Uh, he is showing that he is a multifaceted tour facilitator, defender. He is the real deal. Definitely. And he is doing it alongside young talent and Jarrett Jack while playing the triangle, while being coached up by really good NBA experienced head coaches, while being matched up with guys who who are not nothing. Right. Know, guys like uh, Jeremy Lin. Right. Guys like uh, Malachi Flynn, who we all thought would be be immediate contributors to a Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay Raptors team. Um, what what the G League has proven right now is that guys like Jalen Johnson, who went to Duke and had a very unhappy time right there, Oof. have a very viable alternative to succeed and be on ESPN every day. And I am counting those paychecks right now. If I'm Sharif Abdul Rahim and the rest of the G League power uh, power dynamic, because. Uh, they took a risk, and it's paying off in space. The only thing that is going to happen, they can only, because they have two other guy, three other guys who aren't really playing, uh, Kai Soto, Principal Singh. Um, Isaiah Todd is starting to play a little bit as well. But when that team graduates, so to speak, I think you can only bring six guys in a year because you don't want a group of ten guys because now you got to figure out playing roles and all that. You need a guy at each position and then a bench player. Um, and I think that that's kind of going to be the, um, the cookie cutter type of, of situation. Um, unless when, uh, one of these other teams grab their own G league team, maybe they'll throw another one. Like when, when the Pelicans move to Birmingham next year, and if Erie Bayhawks are available, maybe they'll do two G league teams like that. Well, that's why I'm so excited about, about the future. Uh, for one, it, it reminds me of, uh, Almost the Calipari system, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where you get them, you show them off, you reload. You yep. get them, you show them off, you reload. Yeah, you reload. So I'm excited. Minus to the books. Next year, right <laughs> next year, if an Imani Bates decommits oh. or something, oh. I'm further excited to see a team like uh, the Mexico City team, the right. Capitanes. Yep. Which will be available. Who's to say there's not going to be an avenue for international prospects to do the same thing? And not have to go to uh, Australia to play for an NBDL team. Not have to go to Lithuania. Uh, if the G League plays this right, they can be the definitive minor league system that will allow the eventual breakdown of the NCAA and and other inter- international tools. The G League are playing with house money. Oh, yeah. And, and furthermore, what an opportunity this is for guys like Jared Jack and Amir Johnson Ugh. to show that they still got a little something, not only as players, but potential NBA head coaches. Definitely. Because if I'm, let's say, Rajon Rondo in two years, and I'm not ready to retire, but no one's given me a contract, why can't I basically be the assistant player coach for the NBA G- Ignite? I don't see why y'all couldn't. Why exactly. Why can't other people do this? We talk about coaches on the floor. But what Jared Jack is showing 
NBA took paying off like this. Oh, yeah. And seeing guys like Jalen Green actually playing well, because the worst possible scenario would be like, I don't know, what happened to Emmanuel Moutier, where the international community uh, eats him up, chews him out, he goes to the NBA, and he's basically done in about four years. Right. Um, and there needed to be a recourse, and here we are. And I'm very excited for what the future holds. You know, and imagine these kids um, coming out of high school, making a half a million dollars, and being able to live around a, a coach like Brian Shaw, where he is teaching them on and off the court about problems. I'm sure he's talking to them about finances as well, you know, about um, groupies, yeah. about cars, about all that. You know, that he's not j- just coaching them on the court. He's coaching them in life. And I, I can see Brian Shaw probably retiring with this job and being like a coach K of the, of the G league, you know, and especially if he can pull out a few championships with these guys, you know, um, I also like the, what the G league, what this bubble is doing as well, because it's, pro- it's providing guys like the Vernon carries of the world to, to get some necessary playing time because I mean, he's, he's out there scoring 24 and 10, every night and he wasn't going to get that with Charlotte and maybe now that makes you know Michael Jordan say hey wait a minute we might have our center we just need a little bit of time to develop him oh absolutely I mean I think Vernon Carey is an absolute is a, is a winner in this I am to tell you what an impression this is making on me I looked up for what kind of trade package my favorite team could put together for a guy like Moses Brown right day. right Moses Brown Moses Brown is scoring <laughs> 20 points 14 rebounds and blocking the hell out of people on elite efficiency right now. Yes. And, and 7-1. The opportunity, <laughs> right? Definitely. And, and how, about, how about Kevin Porter? Oh. 26 points a game, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, scoring at will on a good efficiency, unless, unless we're talking about 3, but hopefully being surrounded by people and teammates and coaches that have his best interest. Definitely. That's what he needs. And he wouldn't get that, whether it be in, in Houston around guys like Boogie and, and, and Wall or, or in Cleveland with that dynamic. How, how about around, how about Robert Woodard, the, the, the Sacramento Kings uh, second round pick? He's playing it with the Austin, Austin Spurs and he's um, 17 and, and 11 a game. Exactly. Woodard looks good. He looks like he could potentially be a rotation player. Definitely. Um, he, he looks like the kind of the, the guy we, we more or less hoped for and uh, coming out of college. And then we look at a guy like Trey Jones. Who oh, is, Trey is killing. Facilitating like crazy. Oh, yeah. Ten assists per game. I mean, all of these guys, in the, this is what the G League should be. It used to be a joke, uh, whether, you, uh, whether that was deserved or not, but they have uh, put financial resources uh, via infrastructure, coaching systems, uh, medical staff to make it into a viable alternative for college, and it's it's working. You it's know, letting guys like we've mentioned, like uh, and then guys like Iggy Brasdiegas, Jordan Cool. Here's your playing time. Show us what you got. Show us what you got. You know, the thing about it is, I think that the the NBA should um, bring a third round to the draft. But and and I, but I also think that the third rounders must play their. I think all draft picks should play some time in the G League. Um, but the third rounders and the second rounders should pretty much live there. Um, 
And then when the season's over, because it's only 50 games, when the season's over, you can come back to the big spot. Um, you'll start on the bench here. You'll go there. And, you'll, and if we want to pull you up, we'll pull you up. If we don't and we want you to sit there the entire year, um, we will do that. Because I look at a team like um, picking someone like Isaiah Todd from the G League team. You know, he's averaging about eight points and five rebounds. He may become a first-round pick next year. But that doesn't necessarily mean he needs to come play on the big league's um, team, he might need to spend another year or half a year in the G League again. I completely agree. And here's what we need to see. First of all, every team needs to have their own G League affiliate. Definitely. You can't be penny piercing. You can't be loaning people out to the Canton charge or something. Definitely. I don't care. Right. Every team needs a G League affiliate. Furthermore, every team needs to be prepared to basically expand their coaching staff to a point where your NBA G League affiliate can run your offense and your system in the NBA. Definitely. This is what the, the Warriors have been doing to pretty good effect. And there's a reason why Seth Curry and uh, Michael uh, Michael uh, Thompson were playing for that team. And it was because they could effectively replicate their brother's uh, skills. Right. Uh, not, not on a one-to-one basis, but they could run a system so that when these guys came up, they could contribute immediately. So everybody, every uh, function needs to be, this is a training program. Yeah. This is an opportunity. These two-way contracts need to be expanded to allow these kids to basically be uh, AAA prospects. Yeah, for the entire team. The I, I should not be able to I should not be able to pick a player off of your G League team because he's playing well and you don't have the space to hold him. Oh, yeah. I need to be, I need to, uh, but you know what that means, right? We need to empower these NBA G League uh, GMs as well. Right. These guys can't just be the people you ask to, uh, you know, look at the cast-offs of Euro basketball and be like, boy, uh, well, Shane Larkin looks really good for Barcelona. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> These guys need to be empowered to make trades. They effectively need to be the third cog in these NBA machinery. Mm-hmm. They need to report to the NBA, the NBA uh, GM who reports to the owner. They need to have power, and that's going to be a huge risk, but it's a risk they need to take for them to get the most out of these affiliations. Because the worst thing is that you have, uh, I don't know, the, the let, let's say uh, the, the, uh, the, Austin, the Austin affiliate yep. being controlled by the Milwaukee Bucks right. and being like, well, uh, maybe we'll give you Frank Mason, but give him an NBA contract for like three weeks. No, 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 no. These guys are NBA players, whether they're for the G League or not. Exactly. That's Definitely. what it needs to be. Definitely. I am looking forward to, I love the movement. Like I said, New Orleans is moving from Erie, Pennsylvania, down to Birmingham next year. I love the Mexico team. Um, I think once Seattle gets in, they'll probably get a team in Vancouver, which would be nice. Um, and, and, and each team should have its own G League affiliate. And I love the, the, the scheduling of the games coming, not conflicting with the NBA nighttime but in, in the, when they play in the games mid-afternoon, I think that you can get a lot of fans watching those games. Exactly. I think they are have the uh, ability with ESPN, with YouTube, uh, with these markets that we believe can hold NBA teams that don't, like, say, a Louisville, like a Kansas City. They can be what minor league teams want it to be. Um, I'm specifically referring to teams like the CBA, like the right. ABL, for oh, yeah. all of its glories. 
like what the XFL tried to be, like right. the Alliance of American Football. Right. You put these guys uh, maybe a hundred miles away from their NBA affiliates, but mm-hmm. in small, but in towns that can hold a quote unquote big league franchise. You have transformed uh, the league for the better, and you have uh, created a business model that I believe will be effective for the long term. Definitely, definitely. And not only just the 30-team, one-to-one affiliate, like you said, they should have four or five or six or eight additional teams, you know, maybe like the G League Ignite, the Mexico team, uh, maybe a, a spinoff from the G League Ignite in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, maybe four other leagues, another league or team in, in Canada on the West Coast, four more teams in Europe, and, and just build and build and build it. Exactly, and then you start talking bigger picture, and this is insane, but stuff almost like a relegation, mm-hmm. where if a team, a Mexican team, yep. proves that they are competitive, that they've got a good infrastructure, well, maybe you make basically an expansion draft, you give them the first pick of the draft uh, for the next year, and you allow them to be an NBA franchise. There will be conditions involved, obviously. They were, there will be about a three-year period where they have to prove that they are a consistently competitive franchise, but... If the G League is as good as I hope it could be and the competition is as fierce, allow them to be expansion franchises. If they're that good, definitely. If they're that good. You know, and and I also want to see I also want to see how they're gonna implement the 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 African League. Um I'm sure it's gonna take some time to get up to par, but maybe not. And maybe you make that team play in some sort of tournament. You bring them over and you play a Mexican league, an African league, the U.S. league, all in one location once a year, like a round robin tournament. I mean, imagine that you can go to a playground and see a guy like Bruno Caboclo, right? Right. And you don't have to embarrass him on national television by saying he's two years from being two years away. <laughs> right. And and watch him struggle. Right. What if there was an avenue for him to get his body right, his mind right, and then two years from two years from now, oh, he has amplified this team to such a degree that he can be the focal point of an NBA team that becomes an NBA team. Exactly. Because he has allowed a G League team to function for about three years. Definitely. Definitely. I think we got some good ideas on that. I I know Sharif Abdul-Rahim. And, and Brian Shaw are just, like you said, they're playing with house money, and I hope it continues. Uh, Brian Shaw's going to get a statue for this. Oh, yeah. He's going to get a statue uh, for this. A, uh, if this works the way it should, it should fundamentally alter professional basketball. If it, if it doesn't work, there's nothing to be ashamed of. But I really hope all the powers that be are prepared to, uh, to make the effort because a glorious disaster is more exciting than a mediocre failure. Definitely, definitely. And, and I think... When Isaiah Thomas was trying to have the CBA, I think he was a little ahead of his time. But the model works. You just got to have the money to back it. And you got to have the patience. And you got to have the patience. You you can't rely on investors that can pull their money out when the going's not good. Because that's what happened to the Alliance of American Football. That thing looked fine. That thing had potential. But financial straits started to hit them. And you know what happened? The big money went away immediately and they folded it in a week. You gotta plan for a long-term future that isn't gonna be easy. You gotta write out the difficult times, and I think the NBA can be prepared to do it. But let's see if they are uh, truly able to put their money where their mouth is. And I know the NCAA is sitting back on on biting their nails because they don't know what this is gonna turn into. I mean, they're they're in trouble. Uh, they're going to have. Uh, I, I believe they're probably a dying breed. Uh, but we'll we'll see what adjustments they make. They or maybe maybe they'll just maybe they'll just get back to. 
th- three and four year uh, players at, at the NCAA level where everyone else goes to the G League. I think long term, that's great. Yeah, because I now would, March would, Madness is is awesome. <laughs> where uh, we get rid of the one-and-done rule right. yep. and basically almost treat it like college where you need to commit for about two to three years for a ba- college program. Baseball does it. Exactly, right? Yep. Why not? If you're not picked in the first round, more. if you're not picked in the first round and you decide to go to college, you have to go there for three years. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, because there needs to be an incentive for these kids who are athletic but not athletic enough but want an education to get a college degree without forcing them to, uh, you know, try to make a living playing for Maccabee Tel Aviv when they just can't make the next logical steps for their future. Right. And that's no shade to those to those people who go to Europe. Definitely. But there should be a viable alternative for an education that doesn't depend on you being self-taught or making or putting a gun to your financial future. There just can't be the way, it can't continue the way it's been. It's been. Uh, yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you on that, man. Hey, Sean. I appreciate you, buddy. We we had us a good time today. Oh yeah, I, I, I love talking about these uh these risks that the NBA takes because it's exhilarating. This bubble, this G League, it is it's cool. It's obviously not ideal because uh, we have a pandemic, but it's facilitated discussion and risks that I, I truly love. I love it too, man. Um, it brings me to a player like John Petty, um, Alabama. He, he was a freshman playing next to Colin Sexton. And his freshman year, he was doing pretty good. Colin Sexton got all the rave. You know, he's now a junior, I think. And he's probably having a heck of a time in, in college. And so that's what that college scene could continue to be for the guys. Hey, we want to just go to college for three years and, and have, live the college life. We don't want to go to the, the – we want to get our, our education, our degrees. We want to go into business. And we may go to the NBA, but – you know, I think that the G League can kind of assist the NCAA in that if they come together on a partnership, I think that they can make anything work. Exactly, but it counts on a lot of people making decisions that aren't financially sound, probably, right, right. that are risky. And uh, in the past, there has been some hesitance to do that, but I, I think we're both on the same page here. You got to take a leap in order to fly. You got to take a leap. I believe that the NBA is messing up by bringing the All-Star game to Atlanta. Um, I know it's just because of the money. I, I, I don't think that you're taking it that. I think a disaster is waiting to happen. Yeah, um, I, I think it's uh, it's an unnecessary risk. Unnecessary. Particularly when if they had played this right, they could have just made it into an NBA D-League showcase again. Right. Um on a much bigger picture, because I think people wouldn't have a problem with watching a Jalen Smith uh, or a, a Deshaun Nix. If you're truly marketing the, the next big thing, then make them the next big thing. Don't force LeBron James and, and uh, Chris Paul to choose between uh, defining the players association that they're such a big part of in order to make a couple bucks for the owners. Yeah, I uh, I just think it's kind of a wicked thing to do. And it's a city like Atlanta that's open. You're gonna see everybody hit that Atlanta area, and it's gonna just be COVID central. You know, um, I'm, um, it, it's. I, I, I would agree. You you got you got the 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 girl who bought the dress a year ago, and it's, it's just been sitting in the closet. Because of COVID, she's trying that thing on right now, saying, "Oh, I'm gonna kill him with this." 
you know so i <laughs> so i think that that you know and, and i think it's a recipe for disaster man i i think there's a potential for a bigger uh, bigger disaster than uh than uh, 4 a.m. in State Farm Arena during the uh, during the election, you know. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> think so. Say what kind of nonsense can uh, can happen in Fulton County when uh, when it gets off the chain? And, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a bipartisan consensus that we need to stay away from creating more chaos in the in the the beautiful city that is Atlanta. Wee, <laughs> Magic City, here I come. <laughs> Oh, he's not going to show up for the uh, All-Star Weekend. But, hey, he's there, but he's just not there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I can't wait to see what happens with that. Hey, Sean, we're going to talk. We, we, we're going to, what are you going to say? No, no, no. I was oh, okay. going to say, uh-huh, always a pleasure. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, I appreciate you, Sean. Have a good one, huh? No, you, uh, you take care as well. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks again, Sean, for joining me on this episode. If you guys haven't noticed, we had a couple of little technical difficulties, but we tried to salvage the edits. So, um, but thanks again, you guys. You can follow us on Instagram at FrontOfficeGM. Uh, send us questions, uh, send us comments, and we'll be getting back to you as soon as we can. Everyone be safe out there. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube